This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! Thanks for coming back to 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth. And this week, I am going to address the top discoveries i've made in 2021 in regards to features that fit the time frame of 74 minutes to 99 minutes i will have to address this immediate variable i need to complete the alley's accessory shop on etsy's trash feature review for the year so we're going to open with a 2014 crime drama slat which attempts to go into film noir with jenna malone as a femme fatale let's go into 10 cent pistol little hand says it's time to rock and roll bring the noise so what do you do for a living i'm my own boss i know but what do you do you're gonna do this russian job for me punchy says there's four or five million in here this is about 15 minutes of work for $5.8 million. I knock off your client, which means you're getting paid on both ends of this thing? They got a quarter pint of your blood at a crime scene with five bodies. LAPD, FBI, they're going to be tracing this for at least a year. So I'm going to be holding on to these bonds. Jakey, how are we going to get my bonds back? Getting in kind of worries. It's on the hill. They got cameras watching the cameras. We need to use some finesse to get in. How do we do it? Finesse. What are you stealing? I'm not stealing anything. I'm getting something back. I'm asking you what's going on and you're not actually telling me. I don't know what's going on. What is going on right now? You're not going to get the opportunity to get the opportunity. No, that was me choking you on the phone. So, Tencent Pistol is not going to change the top 10 discoveries I made during 2021. It's a movie basically funded by the two lead actors in an attempt to assist uh, Michael C. Martin, the director, who's best known as a television writer, in becoming an auteur. A lot of opportunities to miss the mark, in other words. I think the trailer does a pretty good job of setting up the plot. You're not going to get as much Joe Mantanga as you'd like, so pour one out for Fat Tony, I suppose. Uh, Jennifer Lone is fun in the feature just because she's acting against the typical badass character I've seen her in, say, in Sucker Punch or The Hunger Games. There's just not enough of her, and she doesn't really become anything until really late in the film. It attempts to do a lot of old mobster movie things, like the narration from the two leads like Casino, which really throws everything off because it's not established that we're going to have multiple narrators till about halfway through the film. It does offer you some clever lines, but dialogue in general isn't really anything to write home about. Basically, the storytelling method doesn't hold up. Maybe if they would have gone and had a better score, it could tie it all together, but no, it just tries tries too many things. Like the director did write Brooklyn's Finest, a uh, Anton Fuqua movie, which has its fans. Uh, I know him best for the Replacement Killers, which is a Stone Cold classic. But he's taking away from not even just movies like Suicide Kings. He's going back to Christopher Nolan's early features and their non-linear storytelling. It just doesn't really work and as a director it's just shot as somebody who's trying to impersonate all the great directors so it's a skip sadly 
because as I say, it's Joe is good in the movie. General Malone is interesting. It's just same old hat. I do like the fate of Thomas Ian Nichols in this movie, but that's about all I can say for it. So from a trash feature to the best features, let's get into this recent podcast I recorded on Christmas. So most family interaction, I guess, I had with The Poetic Critic. That's The Poetic Critic on Letterboxd. If you're looking for me on Letterboxd, that's username CM Darth. I was hoping to kind of play... Well, we'll talk about how I was going to try managing this best of list, best of list episode. I mean, I really wanted to try doing it as a blog, but I just don't think I'll be able to get it done in time by the time I'm in Florida next week. So... The Poetic Critic's going to pick five of these movies. I get to pick the locations. And you know what? I'm going to apologize for a few of the decisions. But, hey, Kodiak, John Dice at the End does make this list. Just not as high as I originally placed it. You can find the last set of rankings as I was breaking down the alphabet at 90forchill.com. As always, if you want to be on the podcast, send an email to rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. Give me a movie, give me a theme, give me a director, give me an actor. As long as we focus on sub-100-minute material. With the new year coming, I am going to do my best to give us, you know, kind of the format of how did this get made, mini-episodes between actual guests my goal is to find those movies where you can just stop watching them once the first credit rolls. It's going to add to it, so if you want to do that at home, feel pleased to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to talk trash about the podcast, send that to my Twitter, at CatBusterUs. That's at C-A-T-B-U-S-R-U-S-S. So, without any further ado, I bid you a... No, I won't do the Kenny Omega shtick. Let's just get to the show with the Poetic Critic and the Top 10 Discoveries of 2021. And so the year has about come to a conclusion. There's obviously going to be very difficult to uh, do a podcast while in Disney World. I don't think I can put all the equipment into a bag since... um, I don't think we're checking bags, at least to start. So I am with the Poetic Critic, and I figure she'd give us a nice little balance to um, the 151 films I ended up going through that are all under 100 minutes for 90forchill.com, the website. So, and, you know, after two breakdowns um, from... Features starting A to J and then J through R have come down to 20 titles. So, and with basically still using the previous list from the previous, um, you know, elimination style, I figure I might not have the most balanced list. So that's where the Poetic Critic, that's the Poetic Critic on Letterboxd, comes in to add a little balance so you don't get all the goofy horror movies on top because we still have quite a few there and the one omission um from this i will say has been class action park only because i figure narrative is a little more easier to digest i mean you get a good documentary you just tell a mother lover to watch a good documentary so um so as i say i've got everything out here and we're going to do top 10 out of these top 20 remaining titles and we are going to actually do a serpentine draft that means where you'll get the number 10 and the number one um while and then i will get the nine and eight she'll get seven and six I get five and four. Well, it'll it'll work out. I know it's... I've done enough fantasy football drafts. So, quit playing that after, after fantasy football after I won a league. So, you know, quit while you're ahead. So, 
Wish I would have known that with uh, FanDuel, but I'm not below. So, all right. So, with that said, um, now what do you feel about vetoes? I don't really... I didn't really expect I'd be okay. I'm just here, so well as I say. Along with what you want. Okay, well I'm just saying I'm just balancing, trying to balance things out. So we've got these. I mean, this is your list. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but as I say, do is Bill and Ted face the music the ultimate movie of 2021? From what I've researched, I haven't seen it. I know that, but that's why I've got. I know at least 10 titles here that I think you probably have seen. Right. So that's where I'm adding the balance. Makes me a little more careful with Bill and Ted. Mm -hmm. So, and John dies at the end. So, all right. So as I say, I got them all lined up. So, you know, what you've seen, you can go and grab. Mm Mm-hmm. You've already seen The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, but I really didn't discover, I'd say, really, it, it was a new discovery for me in a sense that I hadn't really watched it in 28 years. It just, and again, what what we talked about with Elf last week, sometimes yeah. the fandom really, yeah. really nail, kills it for you. Right. So, is that where you want to go with number 10? It's up to you. Well, I'm... I'm just kind of yeah. raising because I haven't seen a lot of these movies. No, I I know, but I know you've seen Polar Express, yes, Nocturna, yes, Rushmore, Hellraiser. I don't know about Nighthawks. I know you've seen Waiting for Guffman. So, you know, out of those, let's just say I'm just trying to add some balance, and I don't really have. Uh, a ranking opinion okay so what do you think has to be among uh, out of these what do you care about out of these this is your list i don't well i want you want your participation so that it's it is a balance more balanced list because i've seen way too many movies so i need somebody to keep me in check i can't keep you in check on this so, uh, okay, well, this experiment ends with Bill and Ted Face the Music is better than David Cronenberg's 1986, <laughs> The Fly. I'm, I'm sorry, Russ, but I don't get, I'm not really following any of this. Well, it's like on Screen Drafts, an excellent podcast. Yes. Where but, a lot of the time people haven't seen the movie and then you have to, you know. You veto, yeah, but well, it's not you like you're usually... working on a theme. Well, no, and... it's just like really uh, a a best it, like it just basically from my own best so i'd rather have somebody you know pick some of their like basically their five favorite films of what i've got and hence then we have so we are going with the fly so i, I can go and do the breakdown later then Giving me a lot to work with here. Well, that's because of elimination. Okay. The Nocturna. It's almost kind of random. I'm looking at the stuff I've seen. Yeah. I suppose put this one up here. Yep. Still definitely was a number three recently. Dracula 1958. And. I guess this. Little hot chocolate action. Okay. I really wait again. Really, after you see the hobo, and it's like, is that Tom Waits? Oh, it's just Tom Hanks. It's kind of like, dang it, I want Tom Waits to be every character. So we've gone from 20 to 15, and here are your undisputed numbers. You have The Nightmare Before Christmas, which I really want to get around the Coraline because I really want to see how if Selleck really kind of improved upon it. I don't. I think Coraline is a very different kind of story than Nightmare Before Christmas, and well, James and the Giant Peach was kind of a miss, on my opinion. I like James and the Giant Peach. I don't love the movie. Mm-hmm. I 
but the, these are fundamentally very different kinds of stories. Right. No, and I'll give you that. Coraline, compared to Nightmare Before Christmas, isn't quite apples and oranges, but... Well, you, you just got creepy-looking authors. And I mean that in the most flattering way, be it Tim Burton or Neil Gaiman. Okay. So I definitely think that'll probably outrank the Polar Express. Yeah, probably, but I don't want to be too hard on the Polar Express. Oh, I think it was an excellent experiment mm -hmm. in the animation style. I think the, uh, I could have used a little less Eddie Deason. Like, okay, we have kids for, like, is it is it really that flattering to Eddie Deason that he's still playing kids' roles at, gosh, 60? Like, hey, man, your voice did not... Did not make the trip from puberty. I mean, we're talking, he had this, like, gosh, he was, how many times did he play people his age with that voice? Um, no, I mean, I don't think the dead eye animation is as bad as everybody else says. No, it takes a little adjusting, mm. but it's not a huge drawback. Um, I don't know if I'd like, I really do have to, with this all said, I do really need to go back to Beowulf. Because, look, love my, love me some Tom Hanks, but any excuse to make Ray Winston the lead in an American film, that that's pulling on my heartstrings a little more. And Angelina Jolie kind of has dead eyes to begin with. So then, um, my, uh, well, I'll just go to my number. Well, here's the interesting one, then. Nocturna... More enjoyable film, Nocturna or Dracula, aka the horror, aka Horror of Dracula, nineteen fifty-eight. Well, I wouldn't say that it's an issue of more enjoyable. They're very different movies. Well, and I grant you that, but it's what I'm saying is like, can you just turn on Horror of Dracula versus can you um, yes, turn you on could. Nocturna? Well you, well, you could either way. Okay. So we'll just stick with Nocturna was the number four on the most recent list, and Dracula was number three anyhow. So yeah, works out well. And I guess that would leave lead us to the fly. Mm -hmm. Does Jeff Goldblum conquer all challengers? Yes, he does. Okay, so I don't know. Like the fly is not my favorite Cronenberg. I realize that. Um, but it's. I would say all the way up till he really found his narrative footing in the mid noughties with uh, Eastern Promises and, well, and um, more, I mean, a history of violence. I thought he found his narrative footing way earlier than that with the brood. Right, but I'm just saying, like, a part of me feels like Goldblum, best performance. Gina Davis, best performance. But I'm still waiting for the body horror, and it, it builds to it, which you don't really get. Like With Cronenberg, you kind of want it. People kind of get it right, uh, right in their face a lot of the time. So I like the build. But I think, um, like, Videodrome is, like, if it's a movie you can watch and it makes sense, like, huh, that was kind of like a drug trip. I think that's the Cronenberg I like. I still got a lot of work work with him. I do need to see Dead Ringers. Um, and actually Dead Zone. Well, even Dead Zone, all the the entire power of it kind of kind of uh, not hinders the narrative, but doesn't make it straightforward. And I think with The Fly, it is pretty much point A to point B, point C. Mm -hmm. So. All righty then. So that ends up just uh, taking, uh, meaning I got to at least knock out two two movies. So, all right. Okay, let me see where I'm at. So two movies are definitely getting added into this. So. I will have to say goodbye to Bit, which was a fun little uh, 
they say, I don't know, read different descriptions on IMDb. They say it's a transgender woman. I say it's just a lesbian. Uh, queer culture is really confusing at times. Um, but uh, I think it's, I, I really agree with the feminist me mess me uh, message of that feature. So um, basically, if you're going to be a vampire, you better be a woman because vampirism, vampirism involves a lot of power. And we all know how well men handle power. As for the, you know, last 2,000 years. So, okay. So my number nine originally was Castle Freak. And that's a tough one to kick off the list since it's my last uh, Stuart Gordon, a patron saint of the podcast. So, ooh, then... Man, I guess I'll have to take off Nighthawks, which is a big drop from six to not. Um, I mean, it's just your stand. I mean, it's one of Stallone's best movies, but it's a pretty standard movie. Well, it's isn't that outside the one hundred minutes? No, no, no. I checked in. I wouldn't have uh, put it on the podcast if it hadn't. Right. I thought it was longer. Stallone thinks all his movies are longer. I mean, and, uh, when they were doing a rewatchables on Cobra, which did get bumped off the list for Nighthawks, um, they brought up the Sylvester Stallone on Saturday Night Live sketch where mm -hmm. Neil McDonald, um, Norm McDonald, is in a car accident and Stallone's yeah. first on the scene. And what about Cobra? <laughs> like, it's not, it's everything will be better be better like what about cobra man that was that had a lot of problems in the editing <laughs> so screw rocky for getting the re-edit this year i want to see an extended cobra <laughs> i mean that that movie should not be as good as fun I, I there's some i would say good but it's definitely more fun <laughs> um i mean this is something like i would I don't know, probably too many directors that uh, the Canon group assigned mm -hmm. probably would have gone, had too much, would probably have abused all that freedom that Stallone had with Cobra. Like, because I think it's all of Co Stallone's creative control elements and, you know, spending more time just going to his trailer and shagging Bridget Nielsen. Um, kind of made that like there's the story of uh how brian thompson tried to ask for motivation about his character mm -hmm. and stallone just blew him right off uh, okay so mm -hmm. okay all right now, keep in mind, I have not watched our movie for the numeric portion of the alphabet yet from Ali's Accessory Shop on Etsy's. I'm leaning towards 10 Cent Pistol as my film to watch, but um, somehow I don't think it's going to crack, going to shake up the apple cart too much. So, so keeping Castle Freak. Nocturna, Dracula, Nightmare Before, all right, Nightbox got, got the axe, okay. Got the axe, kind of like Cobra came back to strike it. Um, <laughs> Recently watched Inglorious Bastards, and you can see so much of Fujita's influence on Tar Quentin Tarantino's direction, and I think that's, like, I know people love Kill Bill, but I think <laughs> that's really more of, homage to everything instead of a genuine effect on his style i don't think he really became the full form director until um inglorious bastards so i'll try to keep lady snowblood in there 
Uh, hate to do this to you, Sly. I will have to bump Death Race 2000 off. Hmm. I mean, have you seen Death Race? Yeah, yeah I did, uh, but I liked it, but it could have been a better film than it was. Mm, I don't know about that. I think it's got kind of a soggy midsection. Oh, yeah, no, Looking- once... Once, once, back. once we establish that uh, Frankenstein is shaggable, it kind of gets drowned in trying to have this sexy narrative. I don't think David Carantine, even if he did pra- mar- practice martial arts, could kick Stallone's butt. I mean, you just gotta love the characters: Attila the Hunt, Matilda the Hun, and the Nazism. Mm-hmm. Dick Miller, it, it is Dick Miller who shows up in a lot of these Corman mm-hmm. movies. Just getting um, pretty much yeah. bisected, failing to get into a uh, manhole quickly. And the entire point that killing people gets you points. I think that's something they missed with the uh, W.S. Anderson produced features, which I love. But, you know, trying to make... that That is the biggest problem from trying to update an exploitive film Mm -hmm. like the entire point is no you're not supposed to kill civilians (laughs) so let's put the movie in a prison then okay are there going to be people walking around to get killed still no all right so where are we at turn up Okay, so we are getting to the nitty gritty, I think, if I'm counting correctly. Ooh. All right, so there might need to be some negoti- uh, moving around. So I loved Castle Freak, and I really don't want to exclude Stuart Gordon, but um, your next is a just a really fun horror feature which doesn't really pick like one i guess it's not that big a change we get barbara crampton still um but uh it's like honestly i was i hear so many great things about it and it's a difficult it's a very cold film to start but once you get to the twist it becomes home alone with gore and I think that is going to make it very memorable. And I've been uh, struggling with this feature because I've been trying to get a podcast done for the movie Ready or Not. Um, and we just keep having scheduling concerns. And you're next, just like, oh, I think it really did that better. All right. So what are we down to? The last pick, last available pick for the 2010. Uh uh, 2021, which I'm probably going to have to still make some changes. Oh. Nope, I got two picks left. I still have bit in my pile. Mm-hmm. No, I got, I have three, so good. So we're definitely keeping uh, Bill and Ted. Mm. And I think Hellraisers just needs to be remembered. And that's going to be the big thing. I want Cody, Cody, eh, Kodiak Thompson to come back. So we're definitely keeping James dies at the John dies at the end in there. So. So what is not, what did not make the top 10 of 2021 in terms of discovery? So as I say, Bit, which was my most recently number 10. Castle for Each, most recently number 9. Death Race 2000, most recently number 8. So this is actually working out pretty, 
pretty well. And Nighthawks, which was my number six. So, which movies that did not get there, I really thought about putting Spiral on just because it's really the only 2021 offering we had. I thought found it to be a lot of fun. Great on the rewatch. Looks great in 4K. What is your opinion? I mean, I know we don't really, you only have a 4K TV. You don't have a player. Right. Um, well, I guess it can be so with HD. Is it almost more enjoyable to watch feature at home now? Because you really get to see all the solid details in HD. Well, when it's on a big screen, you know, it's inflated and not as concise. I don't see what you're saying. I mean, the what the distance you sit from the screen as opposed to a TV screen means you can get much of the detail you would find in a theater showing as you would at home. Okay, then let me take it this way then. Um, with um, Once we went to digital video, um, like when I... So, 2002, we finally get, or maybe it was 2001, regardless, we finally get uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace on DVD. And I put it in my Blu-ray player and everything just looks far more crisp and solid, and I think that's probably more to do with digital film. I wouldn't know. I'm, okay. I'm not that perceptive. All right. So... I don't know. It's kind of an experience I had when watching a movie like Prometheus. I was there day one, midnight shows. Look, if somebody's going to shoot up a movie theater, they're going to shoot. Putting quitting midnight showings <laughs> is not going to stop them. So, um, but like, oh, the grandeur, the three D effects. I think I've probably watched it in IMAX. So it's oh yes, awesome. And I get home, and it's like, well, I see all the details that, oh, man. That, that, see, I think the grandeur of the screen can hide some flaws, I guess is what I'm getting at. Like, when I can sit in front too close to a 65-inch TV, mm-hmm. like, that pixel looks out of place. <laughs> Ridley Scott calls himself a director. Where's your Oscar, man? <laughs> So, okay. So, Spiral. Risky business. Lots of fun. Um, I think it's... Age is better than most teenage comedies, in my opinion, from the 80s. Right. I haven't got to that yet. Okay. But, um... Do I still prefer Animal House? Yes. But the worst thing you can say about Risky Business is it objectifies women. And it's like, in the age of OnlyFans... Who's really getting objectified? Mm-hmm. Waiting for Guffman. That's kind of a hard mit, you know. Because yeah. I really would love... Like, I know he did another improv movie, I think 2016 or so, Mascots. Yeah. Which, yeah, which didn't get any buzz. It was on Hulu, mm-hmm. which, yeah. Um, yeah, Hulu's still a stepsister to the stream, stepbrother, stepsister, redheaded stepchild of the streaming wars. Should have really came in the form once you get the Disney package, but not so. Uh, Teddy Bear. This was a uh, Danish film about a 40-year-old trying to find a connection, so he flies to Thailand. Right. Which is, it's a beautiful film, beautiful coming-of-age story. Nothing too impressive. Mm-hmm. Just a good narrative. And I kind of find it charming when you have the movies that have to... All right, we're going to go to Thailand, so we're going to speak English now. <laughs> All right. Rushmore. It's still it's still just laying the groundworks, I think, for what Wes Anderson would become. Uh-huh. Uh, his next feature, was that Life of... No, it was... Um, I think the next... Royal Tannenbaum's. Yeah. But once he gets to Life Aquatic, I think once he gets takes it, really kind of disconnects from our reality... I think that's where Wes Anderson starts. I mean, you've even said it when we were doing the Wes Anderson podcast. Right. He's almost better suited for animation. Well, yeah. I 
I mean, I've heard that argued by others. Okay. I don't know if he's better suited to it as a whole, but it does suit him well. Mm-hmm. And Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Okay. I love Woody Allen movies. Um, is this his best? Eh, no. Well, it's it's tough. I mean, let's just face it. Woody Allen has always been uncomfortable, and I don't know why we all freaked out about him after speaking out. Like, this guy lays out his trauma right on the camera. Hmm. It's either trauma or Jewish guilt, probably a mixture of both. So I'm just saying, like, hmm, this guy's a little bit off. Yeah, think like his his every movie is a red flag from Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. Just be and I guess my thing with Vicky Cristina Barcelona is I kind of fall into the Christopher Walken quote from Suicide Kings when he's talk trying to figure out his situation, talking to Sean Patrick Flannery about the kidnap his kidnapped girlfriend and like oh. All went you know, like basically saying, you know, yep, women. Well, which kind of women? Oh, I love them all, and that's kind of my gig, I guess. I kind kind of see myself wanting to just be in love to the point where you don't really be too judgmental. Mm-hmm. Hence, why I'm trying my best to be a queer advocate because I, yeah. But um, we're not missing any. You're not sadly. You're not missing anything if we don't have Vicky Cristina Barcelona on the list. Well, you're missing at least three great performances. I think Rebecca Hall is solid, but definitely not on Scarlet. Not in the threesomes game. So, brings us to our top ten. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. Hope the paper's raspings good audio. I just can't think of much to say today. Oh no, no. Hey, you gave me five five movies to make this a better yeah. I mean, a more rounded list. Okay. And I think you win the day anyhow. Mm. Oh, no. I don't know. Well, I'll still have to find out at the end. <laughs> so we'll put number 10. Robert Zemeck's 2004 The Polar Express. Right. So let's start kid-friendly then. Um, card. And this is going to be a huge drop, but it still makes a list. Kodiak, uh, John dies at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not Don Coscarelli's best direction. But I think it's because he, of the limited stance. It's almost like this movie shouldn't have been done since there's so much more in the, which I find really whenever anybody abbreviates this title, I mean, when you have so many words, J-date, um, I think... It's almost like it shouldn't have been done just because there's it's there's so much more to offer. It's almost a tease. So that's your number nine. Dropping from number two. Very sorry. And uh, we'll go with The Nightmare Before Christmas. I think maybe that's just more recency bias or just 
the lack of knowledge about it, which brings us to our number, our number six, no, not 10, nine, our number seven, Nocturna. Yeah. I think that's the movie you should be showing your kids. I think it has a better message with being afraid of the dark and never mind cat herding. Mother loving cat herding. So our number, let's see, 10, 9, 8, 7. So I will go, we'll probably drop something somewhere. Oh, we'll figure it out. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's just dropping more bollocks. Okay. Something slipped. One, two, three, four, five. Oh. oh, okay. I guess I uh, overdid it. Um, so I'll have to back up at some point. But uh, okay. So we'll go number 10 will still be the Polar Express. Vicky, Christina, Barcelona at nine. John dies at the end at eight. The Nightmare Before Christmas at seven. Nocturne at six. I'll have to go with your next at number five. Our number four, moving up a spot after this. Re and sorry, Nocturne did drop. A few spots as well, but uh, Lady Snowblood. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, it's staying at number five. Uh, do they do? Do they have a board on screen drafts? They put all this stuff on. I don't know. I know they did for the like live shows, but right. Okay, so hey, this is a work in progress. If you have suggestions on how to improve 90 for Chill the Podcast, send them to russthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. An email address where you can also inquire about my pro wrestling zombie Z-budget comedy main event of the dead. All right, so Polar Express, number 10, Vicky Christina Barcelona, number nine. John dies at the end, number eight, from number two. The Nightmare Before Christmas at number seven. Nocturna at number six. Lady Snowblood will remain at number five. Which, as I say, uh, this just shows you how Tarantino, like, just, I tweeted about it. Just when you see after Cat People is played in Inglorious Bastards and you open it up to see the world, it's like straight out of this movie. So, and it's just a cool women's vengeance movie. So it, it it's basically, this movie is everything. If you don't have the time for three Tarantino movies... Watch Lady Snowblood. So your next is all the way up to number four. I, it's, I think it is the comedy, the horror movie that. I mean, they didn't write it for a sequel, and kind of hurts. It really hurts that we don't see anything from the actress in it. Now Andrew Wingard did move on to working with Marvel, so not all lost. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Really, I'll have to get back to you after I get through uh, No Way Home to see if Marvel is the juggernaut still. And Martin Scorsese should just be happy that I will spend four hours watching his movie on Netflix. But if you're... 
if you're trying to create the next Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe with whatever IP you have, don't we don't need that much stuff. Watch a Scorsese movie instead. Raging Bull. There. So we're down to our final three. Well, I think number three is easy. Horror of Dracula. So we're down to our number one and two spot. Not my f- uh, last year's was Videodrome. Yeah. Does Cronenberg repeat? Um, oh, it's a tough one because really, like, Bill and Ted face the music is how you do IP right. This is everything that. Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, everything Endgame should have been. Um, But it does not, if it lacks any charms, it's just that it's not as music heavy based, ironically. And it's, they really fix a lot of things like their super group they formed to perform the song, which is, um, they really acknowledge, yeah, white people just don't do music as well as everybody else. We get Mozart as uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger would say. I should have known you killed Mozart. Mo who? Zart. And that'll be our only last action hero reference on the entire podcast. So... But I think the poetic critic does win the day when I stop and think about it because you don't have... Everyone should see 1986, David Cronenberg's The Fly. Uh, You, like, if you don't... like I could see people not getting into Bill and Ted. This is art. And I'm not saying Bill and Ted is not art. But... Yeah, you can't, uh, and I don't even think it's David Cronenberg's best. I'd take Videodrome over this. Um, I think you'd have more fun with the Dead Zone if you don't have somebody who's up for body horror. Um, that is true. Uh, I mean, there's, and he's done so many things that are just easy for, not necessarily easy. I mean, there's some stuff in Eastern Promises that gets pretty dark. Um... But, yeah, you just, I don't want to call it his masterpiece even, but it is probably his most accessible movie still. I don't know. You could make a case that The Dead Zone is more accessible, that's why. Yeah, but The Dead uh, like, I love The Dead Zone, but it's not as good as The Fly. No, I agree, it's not as good, but. So, I don't know, it's just very difficult to keep letting this movie win drafts. I'm sorry, hon. Like, do we pass this on to screen drafts? And, hey, number seven. Screen draft number seven, victory. And now it's winning number one spots. It's not just winning. Yeah. So, I pro- I like Bill and Ted face the music more than The Fly. Right. But The Fly is, by f- is the must-see feature um, Bill and Ted's dependent on IP. I've never seen the original Fly, so, and you don't need to see the original Fly, which is kind of kind of sad in a sense because you see the "help me, help me" memes all over the place. Yeah, like you should rediscover it, I suppose. What is your thought on the Fly? You have seen that, correct? Nineteen. 19- the 1958 version doesn't do a lot for me, although okay. I can see why it it was as successful as it was. That's that's another part of it though. Like, this was the time of Hammer Horror. There was so much more memorable stuff, which well, kind of makes like the, started. But it's still a uh, 1958. We have the horror of Dracula. That's true, but on the, but we're still getting out of the American sci-fi crush of the 1950s at this point on this part of the shore. This was a major studio production, CinemaScope. Indeed, I think the size of the production kind of weighs the 1958 version down somewhat. 
But in the end, I would say that if you're interested in that era of movie making, it's worth a look, just for completionist's sake. Okay, but what we're getting at is Bill and Ted depended upon IP. Yeah. The Fly, David Cronenberg, essentially reinvents it. Yeah. Okay. So, huh, I really got to try to figure out how to maintain Stuart Gordon's highness in the sacred patriarchy of Saint, uh, the sainthood of this podcast. But, um, I don't know. Maybe I also want to get a Yankee to win this before. I think... 2019's top movie, Briggs v. Bear, kind of fills that role. But these Canadians, I'm not looking for the next Bret Hart. <laughs> I have my Canadian heroes. So Martin Scorsese, come up with a movie that works under an hour 45. I will give you four extra minutes. You do that, we will never speak of Marvel again. <laughs> so thank you very much for the ex- putting up with this experiment, Rory. You can find her on Letterbox. That's the Poetic Critic. Uh, you can find me on Letterbox. That's C M Darth. That's C M as in Cool Movies Darth. And if you want to be on the podcast, send me an email to rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R U S S T H E B U S 07 at gmail.com. Or follow me on Twitter at catbusrus at C A T B U S R U S S. Just give me a theme, a director, an actor, a movie, just a movie, and I'll be happy to chat with you, make some podcast gold. If you want to help the podcast out even more, rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I think everybody else is skipping the other services. Were you ever into, did you ever find a podcast service beyond Apple that... I don't use anything really besides Apple. Okay. So, Stitcher, I just don't dig the paywall element of it. Um, like if you want to, like, I guess with how Patreon is booming and I think we'll get to that point. Um, yeah, if you really, there's just, um, the two things, but if you want to talk trash about my podcast, do that on Twitter, please. At cat Otherwise help the algorithm. Give me those, you know, five star reviews and subscriptions. And as always, thanks Stacia Harden for, uh, being there for me even after uh, 20 coming up on 20 now well, we're only 17 years after you passed but um i don't miss some cool stuff so you know so but thanks for letting me give me the motivation to stick around for it so thanks again the poetic critic merry christmas merry christmas to you and um after my dad mocking my nephews and nieces with a word they never heard be a name they never heard before, hail Satan. That sounded appropriate for the rim shot. Can I hear a wahoo?